Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Church podcast. For more information about Highest Praise Church, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. I'm just going to tell you. Everybody in here has promises. If you wonder what your promises are, you just open up the Word of God and you just read the promises. It's a book of promises. Just a book of promises. So I'm going to go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1 through 4. And um, but how I many know just because you got promises, sometimes you just got, you got a battle. I mean, there's a battle on your hands. I mean, to battle these promises. So. Uh, so let's, let's figure out how we can do that, how we can battle these promises and how we can win and how we can get everything that God says we can get. So 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and verse number 1, and it happened in the spring of the year that the time when the kings went out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. And then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And when the roof, and from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone, someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah? The Hittite. Then David sent, sent messengers to her, and she came to him, and they laid with, and he laid with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. And then she returned to her home. Now, this we pretty much know this story, but really the main thing I wanted to bring out here is that David lost the battle over his eyes when he opened his eyes to the things that he had already lost the battle for his heart over. Whenever you lose the battle of your heart, you're always going to lose the battle of your eyes. And that's, that's the problem. It was all because that David was not in the battle that he was born for. See, David was born to, he, he, was, he was born not to be on top of, a, of, of, his, of, his, of his palace looking down. You know, the king's palace was up, on, was up on the hill. He was always up on the top. And so he was, he was up there. To be honest with you, it was, there was two dolls in this fight because obviously David was up there and, and at a time of day that he generally is up there, Bathsheba went up there to, get, to, to, to bathe knowing that the king was up there and he was looking, she was showing. How I many you know that, that, never, that never turns out right? And so that is, that's what was happening up there. But the whole thing as far as the king is, for certain, is concerned, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. The Bible says that the kings was out in battle. Every other king was out doing battle, but, but David did not. So we find ourselves right here, the one of the first problems, that he was not in the battle that he was born for, which means that every single one of us, including David, was born for some sort of battle. In this case, David was born to, to fight the battles for Israel. Israel was constantly in the battle. The, the, the Old Testament is all about Israel fighting battles and being in battles. And, and it's always a picture of a spiritual battle between, 
between, between us and, and the spiritual darkness now because we're constantly, our kingdom against the spirit of darkness is always going on. And this is, is always a prophetic picture of it here. But, but David, he came here. David was born to establish Israel's triumph over all nations. That was his purpose. And the word triumph there, I kind of, that word popped in my spirit when I looked at it. The word triumph means a great victory and achievement. That David's reason for being here was to establish Israel's great victories and his achievements in his life. That's what he was, that's what he was brought on this earth to, to do. And so we, if we know that David was born for a purpose, I think it's very important that we all know that everyone is equipped for something. Everybody in here is equipped for something. Every single one of us in here is born for something. You're not born just to see whatever happened, and it's by, by fate, and just to see how, you know, just how the children may fall. No, everybody in here, everybody in the sound of my voice, every person with the sound of my voice, voice or not is born for something. You're equipped for something. And when we turn away from the battle that we are called to, we're left to fight a battle that we're not equipped for. David was equipped to fight the battle with the kings. He was not equipped to fight the battle that he was up there on top of that roof fighting. God always calls us to a battle that we're equipped for. If God has called you to a, to a battle, if God has called you into a fight, then you can believe this, he has equipped you with that. He has given you everything that you need to fight that battle, not only fight that battle, but to win that battle. We get in trouble whenever we find ourselves in a battle that God didn't call us to fight. That's why I tell people, everybody wants to be spiritual warfare gurus, man. Don't, don't walk around picking fights for the devil. Sometimes you're going to find you in a fight that God ain't called you for. Even Michael, whenever Jude, the book of Jews says that the devil came and him and Michael was fighting over the bones of Moses. Can you imagine that? The man's dead. They're still fighting over him. They're talking about the anointing he had on his life. I mean, he, he's anointed down to the bone. They, he, the man dead. They're they fighting over his bones. And Michael says, hey, man, I ain't fighting you. I'll say the Lord rebuke you. Now, it's not that Michael, who was, who's at the same level, see, I understand that Michael and Lucifer, I ain't going to get into demonology here, but Michael and Lucifer is on the same level. But even on the same level, he's like, man, I ain't, I, I ain't fighting you. I'm not, a, I, I'm, not, I'm not fighting a battle God didn't call me to fight. The battle belongs to the Lord. I let him take care of you. I ain't got time to mess with you right now. And so this is what happens. And, but, but whenever we lose track of what we were born for, we start getting subjected to things that we're not ready for. Amy knows that whenever we get off track, we all get off track, then we find ourselves subjected to things that we're just not ready for. I'm talking about children of, of the Most High God right now. I'm talking about Christians. We're in a battle. We're in a struggle. We're going through some stuff that, that man, we're just not ready for. Somehow or another, some, how many know Christians get off track? I think I'm talking to some of them in here. I know I do. And we get off track. I say, God, we got to get back on that track because there are some battles I should be winning. I'm not winning right now. But if I'm on track and I'm in a battle, then God has given me everything I need to conquest. Amen. All right, with that said, let's look at a battle here. Let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter number 3. And I'm going to use this because it's a familiar scripture, familiar story. And this is the battle that Jesus was in. And the Bible says in Luke chapter number 3, verse 21, the Bible says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens was opened up, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, 
In you, I am well pleased. Boy, that sounds like a good day, doesn't it? I mean, there's a bunch of people out there. They're on the bank. They're in the water. I mean, all over the place. John has been preaching. He's been teaching. I mean, he's been stirring them up. And people are running up to the River Jordan to be baptized. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and says, man, I, I want you to baptize me. We know the whole story. John says, no, I need to be baptized. He says, no, you're going to be baptized me. So he gets in the water, he's baptized. And when he's baptized, remember, there's people all over the place. I mean, when Jesus comes out of the water, there is a voice from heaven that comes out and says, this is my son, and I am well pleased. How many love that to happen about Tuesday at 3 o'clock on your job? Everybody talking about you. Again, there's a voice coming from heaven. They think it's intercom. This is my son. I'm well pleased. This is my daughter. This is my child. I'm well pleased in him and everything they're doing. And so this happens. So it's, it's a great day, wonderful day. Everybody's like, oh, man, what does that mean? And so then we go to, we go to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And the Bible says, in Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, returned from being baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led. Remember, God will not lead you into a battle you're not equipped for. That you don't have, the word equipped there, actually, let me add this to it, that you don't have the ability to win. Okay. And so now Jesus is led by the Spirit, so evidently he has the equipment, he has the ability to be able to win, and he's tempted for 40 days by the devil. Not a, not a demonic spirit, not some kind of, you know, just fallen angel, not just one of the delegated imps here. This is the devil himself. This is Satan. This is Lucifer, man. This is the top dog himself. And he's in there battling with Jesus here. He's being tempted for 40 days. He shows up. And in those days, Jesus ate nothing for 40 days. And afterwards, when it all ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, we would have changed the whole narrative. If we, hadn't, if we were Jesus and we hadn't ate for 40 days, we'd be talking about meat lovers pizza, buddy. Forget bread. <laughs> we can't ready to eat and throw a Big Mac in there as well, maybe a, yeah, a quarter pounder with cheese. We can't ready to, I mean, I'm going I'm to blow your mind here. Because here's the enemy coming up to him, and he's, he's, trying, to, he's trying to go into a battle. But, but, but I, I want you to understand this, that, that, that if God's going to lead you into a battle, that, that, that you've got to understand that you've got the equipment that it takes to win, then you also have to understand if you don't have what it takes to win, then God will not lead you in that battle. He'll lead you around that battle. So I pulled Exodus chapter number 13 and verse 17 out. So let's go to that. The Israelites began their journey, and, and whenever they left Egypt, the Bible says it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of Philistine, although it was the shortest. I mean, if you would have said, Siri, give me directions to the promised land, it would have been through the Philistine. It would have been through, it been, go down Philistine Road and keep on going. And there'll be a big sign that says, the promised land. And you go into it. But he didn't do that. And although it was near, for God said, least perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. See, Syria ain't going to tell you about the war. We'll be great, Syria. Syria, I'm going to have an injunct today. <laughs> then we know, but that didn't happen. So, so, so God knew that if they went through the land of Philistine, even though it was near 
God says, no, I'm not going to see, I'm not going to see you that way. Verse 18. So verse 18, so God led the people around the way of the wilderness by the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Now, why was that? Go back to verse 17. Why didn't God allow them to go into the land of Philistine? Because they, 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 they was near for God said, perhaps the people change their mind when they see war. God says that they're not ready for, they're not ready for this battle. They're not ready for this conflict. So we see that God chose his people who came out of Egypt, who is, who is a type of, that is a symbolic, it actually happened, but it's symbolic of, of us coming out of sin. We've been delivered. 400 years of bondage, they came out. Delivered, set free. Boy, they're free. That means they have, that means they have the ability. They have the ability. But you have to understand, you can have the ability and not have the heart. And they were young and they were immature. I want you to understand here, God did not send them by the desert area because they didn't have the ability. They had the ability, they didn't have the heart. And so God says, if they don't have the heart, then the first sign of trouble, they're going to retreat and go back where they came from. How do you know that God is not in the business of causing you to retreat and go back where he found you? He's, that, that's the enemy's job. That's not God's job. He's always in the business of keeping you being progressive and keeping you going forward. And so here that happened, and, and God will always lead you to a conflict, not only you're prepared to win, but that you have a heart to win. And so they send them in. So we've got to teach you some stuff. You've got to go through some stuff. And so he sent them that way. Every person, no matter how strong or weak you are, you have the ability to turn and run if you feed on their own stuff. It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter what conflict it is. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. If you feed off the wrong stuff long enough, if you dwell on the wrong stuff long enough, you will turn and run. You will just throw in the towel. Because if you begin to turn, if you begin to feed on the wrong stuff, then you begin to believe the wrong stuff. The word of the Lord came to Jesus in uh, Luke chapter number 3, verse 22. And that word was, you are my beloved son. You know what he says? He got baptized. He was just—he was being obedient. I mean, he's—he's—he's he's, he's a son of God, and he's being obedient because God told him to. I mean, heavens opens up. This is—you—you—you you, you are my son. You're my—you're my beloved son. And then we come in here to verse three, and we think that the first temptation is in the last part, but it's actually in the middle. And the devil said to him, "If you are the son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread." The first temptation was not. I want you to turn these stones into bread. I want you to listen to me. The first temptation was, if you're the son of God. If you are who the father just said you were. One of the first temptations the enemy used to get you to react out of fear because you don't have clear identity. If you don't have a clear identity of who you are, then you're going to react to the enemy by fear. And if you react to the enemy by fear, now you're playing by his rules instead of he play, him playing by your rules. He's now dictating. When a word comes to us, it must be tested. How many of us, when God gives you a word, he's going to make sure that word is, is given to you is going to be tested. We have to know what was absolutely spoken to us, and if it was spoken to us, was, whether or not it's true or not. 
Have you ever got a word, whether it be through a message, whether through reading the Bible, God says he's going to heal you, or God says he's going to deliver you, God's going to save your children, God's going to get you, you know, just, just bless your business or whatever. The first thing we really want to know is, is it true? So a lot of times we got to test that word. And we will not know the strength of the word until we know the strength of the opposition. Boy, you can go to church and everything's good. It's like, it's like Luke chapter number 3. Everything's good. Everything was good Sunday. And then, and then on Monday you get up and it's like being led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Good day on Sunday, bad day on Monday. And dealing with all kinds of stuff. What is happening? Your word is being tested. Your reward for receiving the promise must be released to you based on you having an option. God, how is your word being tested if you have an option? God always likes for us to have options. Why? Because if God gives us a promise, we're not just going to get a word. God's word is his promise. We don't take that with people, but God's word is his promise. And we, whenever we receive a word from God, we receive a promise from God. Not only does it have to be tested, then we have to make sure that we understand that it's based on our opinion. We can always, we got to make an opinion. Are we going to choose what God says? Or are we going to choose what the enemy's coming against us with and questioning us with? That's why in the Garden of Eden, God put two trees. He said, you can eat from this one, but don't eat from that one. This one right here is the one that God says you can eat from. This right here is the one that the enemy says you can eat from. Whenever you get a word from God, your word is either going to, is either going to flourish or it's either going to be contaminated and never grow. It's not based on anything else but which tree you're going to feed off of. Are you going to feed off what God said or are you going to feed off what the enemy is saying? God says, you are my son. In you, you are my children. In you, I am well pleased. And this is my word. I've sent my word. I'm going to heal you. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in, be in good health, even as your soul prospers. I'm going to save you and your household. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. If you pay your tithes, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. You don't have room enough to contain. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. These are the word of God because you are a child of God. Under tree number two, the devil says, if you are a child of God, you can't do that. You can't be healed. You're hurting too bad. You're too, far, you're too close to bankruptcy. You're, your children are too far gone. This situation is too crazy. Your, your grandma had, it was, it's, this is a generational curse, man. This thing isn't surface. This thing is down to the root. This is stuff you've always battled. Your grandparents battled it. You've got an uncle that battled. Oh, God, everybody in your family's battled this. You ain't going to have, either you're going to feed from that tree or you're going to feed this tree that says, I have sent my word to heal you and deliver you and set you free. What you going to do with it? And it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a battle. See, we receive God's word and we love God's word, but what we don't understand is we don't think it's going to cost us something. No, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost a struggle. It's going to talk. It's going to, and the level of, of the capacity of that word of how great and powerful it is can be measured by the capacity of how intense the, the attack towards that word is. And most of the time, boy, and, if, and, and here's what we got to understand. If God's allowing me to do this, then God has equipped me to get through this. Dude, I wouldn't be in this fight. There's some of you wonder why you got a word three and four years ago and it hasn't come to pass yet. 
That's because he sent you the long way around. Yeah, but I wanted to go the short way. I wanted to happen four months ago. God says it's going to take more like four years because the giants is going to take to take them things out to stand between you and that blessing you're not ready for. But if I take you by the Red Sea and let you see me part the waters and you walk across on dry grounds, once you see those giants, you're going to take them out. If I take you there prematurely, you'll turn and run back to the Egypt which I delivered you from. See, he's in control of this whole thing. And we have two trees in the garden we got to deal with. So the Lord never brings us to a promise that does not require something from us. Abraham, remember Abraham? He, he got a promise from God, right? You're going to be great, Abraham. You're, I mean, your descendants is going to be as the stars of the sky and you know, the sands of the sea. So finally, he has a child. He has his one child. And God says, hey, I want you to take him up to the mountain. Okay? I want you to take the boy. I want you to take the wood. I want you to take something for a fire. And we know the story. He go, he's going up there. And so he begins to go up there. We, we, we know the story. Isaac says, hey, Dad, I see the wood. I see the fire. I see everything else. Well, I don't see the sacrifice. And the Bible says, the Bible says that, 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 Abraham told him in Genesis 22 and verse 8, he said the Lord would see to it. The Lord would see to it means that I trust that God is going to provide. We know what Jehovah Jireh, God will provide, but what he's really saying, see, we have to understand, we, we can find the depth of our faith by the change of our vocabulary. You can always tell when people's faith is growing and getting deeper because their vocabulary is changing and getting a little bit deeper. And so if Abraham saying, dude, I don't know where to start. I believe it's going to be, I hope it's up there somewhere. Don't, we're going to be in a mess. He says, the Lord will see to it. Or he said that, that, that I trust that God will provide. He goes all the way up there, and when he gets up there, because and he, he, he knew the whole time that God would see to it. I love what he says in verse 8, the Lord will see to it. We, we preach, we preach the, the Jehovah Jireh, God will provide, I love that. But I love what he said first, that God will see to it. The reason why I love that, because as, as parents, we're a young church, we got, we, got a, we got a lot of young people, we got a lot of kids, which means there's a lot going on just for you to be here this morning. There's a lot you got to see to Yesterday, a lot of you had to see to make sure that, that the kids got up and got to practice on time or got to a game on time. Somebody might have made sure your kids had to see to it to make sure they got the dance class on time. And if they got the dance class, you got to see to it, they got the right, the right attire, make sure they got the right shoes. Today, you had to get up and make sure they got up, got some breakfast in them, got to church on time. You had to make sure then that tomorrow they get up and they, you got to see to it that they get to school. Make sure they get up, get a good breakfast. You got to pack them a lunch. Make sure they get in the car, get in the bus. Whatever you got, you got to see to it. Make sure they get there. And then after you drop them off, you got to see to it. You make it to work on time. Then you got to see to it while you're at work that you get home. Make sure the kids get picked up, get them home. Then you got to see to it that the house gets clean. You got to see to it that the grass gets cut. You got to see to it that the bills gets paid. You understand where I'm going with it? We have to see to it because we don't know how to rely on anybody else because if we rely on somebody else, they might pick up our kids or they might not. And so we have a hard time trusting somebody else to see to something that we think only we can provide. 
But whenever we trust God in something that we cannot provide, then we are, we are stretching down our faith. We just sung about it a while ago. Then, God, I trust that you're going to take care of this thing. Abraham is going, Abraham said, I saw until I got a son here. I got the wood here. I got the fire here. I'm not going to see, but God, I believe with all my heart that you're going to see to it. And when I get to the top of that mountain, that's going to be a sacrifice there. I don't know where it's going to come from or how it's going to come from, but I know, God, that you said you're going to see to my knees and I'm going to keep on doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I trust you're going to see to it. Why? Because he got a word. Because he got a promise. Sometimes he was hanging on, not to Isaac. He was hanging, not the wood, not matches the light of fire. He was hanging on to the word. He was hanging on to the promise. And I'm here to tell somebody this morning, if God has given you a word, then that means you have a promise. Do you need to believe this, that God will see to it if you trust him in all your ways, that he will provide. He will see to it. Just like you will see to it, your children get to school, they got a peanut butter and jelly for lunch that the bills get paid and the children get the football practice just as you will see to it god will see to it that everything you need he will supply you just gotta trust him amen and god will give you an option he'll give you two trees you don't think for a second that while we're trusting God for whatever that promise is, whatever that word is, we got to choose every day. Either I'm going to eat of the tree that God says I can eat of, or I'm going to eat of the tree that the enemy wants me to eat of. He's conjured over here. If you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, we have to understand here, we have to understand that if we're not careful, and here's what I'm going to go ahead and blow your mind a little bit, but I got, I got to make sure we understand what we're dealing with here. See, the enemy comes up against you, and he is powerless. I'll deal with that in a second. Here we are. We are full of power. We are full of the power that, that, that God has given us. Here is the enemy. The enemy comes up against us. He comes up to us. He comes to be, be contradictory to the word that we have. If you got a true word, you better believe that the enemy is sending some kind of spirit against you to contradict everything you believe. I mean, he's already contradicting if we be in our identity. There's, there's an identity crisis going on in America today, right? What does that mean? Then there's a demonic crisis going on in America today. Because it's not God questioning whether or not Frank's born a boy and Sally's born a girl. It's the devil saying, are you, I know they named you Frank, but are you really a boy? I know your name is Susan, but are you really a girl? I know you're a man, but do you really love women and you want to marry one? I know you're a woman, but you really, do you really love a man and a woman? I mean, always constantly, always constantly question our identity. Because if he can get us to question our identity, who we are, he can get us to begin to, to begin to communicate with him. And if he can get us to communicate with him, then him being powerless, we'll start using, he'll start feeding off of our power, off of our doubt, off of our fear. If he can get us to start fearing that God's not going to do what he says he's going to do, then the enemy, like a straw, will start sucking the power of faith that you have, and now the power that you once have, he now has. Come on, somebody. That's what he's doing all over America. The devil has no power. 
Oh, no, he's got power because he's, he's I mean, look at them. They're, they're marching in the streets, and there's hunger, and there's crime, and there's, and there's just immorality going all over the place. The devil has no power. He's using fear. He's using doubt. He's using people not know fear of what their identity is. Maybe I'm not a child of God. Maybe I'm not a boy. Maybe I'm not a girl. Maybe I don't like women. I don't know what's wrong with me. If he can get you to do that, he'll get you to fear. And when you start fear, you start bleeding power. He's there to suck it up. And now he who had no power over your life now has all power. Even the power. Let me stop right there. Let me go ahead and say it and I'll fix it. Even the power of the word that came from heaven. See, when you get a, when you get a word from heaven, that word, that promise has the backing of all of heaven, every angel, every angel, the Godhead Trinity is behind that word, is behind that power. If he says he's going to heal you, then get ready. The authority and the power of all of heaven is behind that word. If he says he's going to turn that sorrow into joy, then I'm here. It's not just a word. There's power. There's authority. There's a backing behind that word. There's power behind that. And we have it. We receive it. And that word has that power. It's power packed. And then here comes the enemy. He comes up. He's powerless. And he's begin, he came up to Jesus. The devil came up to Jesus right here. And he says, look, he don't have, he, the devil don't have the power to turn stones into, the stones into bread. And so he christens Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, if you are who you say you are. Better yet, if you are who God says you are. Turn these stones into bread. Why did he do that? Because if you're going to give the word, if you are the son of God, power in your life, it is that you lend to it your attention. The devil is always after your attention. Get your mind off of what God has said that's going to happen. And get your mind on what the devil says is not going to happen. What I love about Jesus here is that he didn't, he didn't, he says, it is written, man shall not live a bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What did he, do? he didn't lend his attention to what the enemy says. He lend his attention to what God says. Because the devil has no power. Remember I said that? Where would you get that from? Well, the Bible. I read it sometimes. So it's in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. Put it up there, please. God, we need to see it. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority. The word authority, this is New King James. King James says power. But it's dunamis. All power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Power is ability. Authority is right. Jesus says, I've given you the ability, and I've given you the right, because I have it. Now, let's stop here and deal with this. Jesus says, all, what does it say? All power. All power. If Jesus has all power... Then what does the devil have? Huh? None. No power. No, no, preacher. I'm telling you, man, have you seen the pictures in Africa? Have you seen what's going on in Ukraine? Have you seen everything else here? He feeds off of fear. He feeds off of, off of you not believing or you lending your attention to what the enemy is saying and not what God says. Can you imagine if we got up every single day and realized that God has all power and he has delegated that power to us? 
He has delegated that power to us. And so when the enemy comes up and tries to steal a word from you that God has given you, you have to understand that, devil, you don't have any power over me. You don't have power to stop this word, and I'm not going to lend my fear. I'm not going to lend my attention to what you're telling me that I can't have and what I can't do. I'm going to give my attention to God. And matter of fact, you don't have to tell him that. You just believe that and you act that. Do like Jesus did. I've been telling this church for over 20 years, you and the devil are not on speaking terms. People used to freak me out back, back in early 2000. Everybody was, everybody, I guess they thought spiritual warfare was cool. Right? I mean, spiritual warfare for nine months. And find the devil. Find the devil for my family. Find the devil for my freedom. Find the, find the, find the devil. I said, and of course, obviously, no longer comes here. But I said, but ma'am, when do you praise God? That was nice. If you're constantly talking to the devil and telling him all the time what he should and shouldn't do, when are you praising God? If you're lending all your attention to what the devil can and can't do, then, then you're, you're, you're obviously you're having to tend to him and, and the power which should be focused on you getting through and receiving the word that God has, you're lending it to the enemy. That's how he's got the power to begin to change exactly whether or not people think their identity is in a crisis or whether or not marriage is who God says it is, who the world says it is, or whether or not abortion is legal. All of that doesn't come from the devil. All of that comes from the fear of man. For we must not believe in what the Word of God says. And if we don't believe what the Word of God says, then we question what God has said and the power that God has invested in us that we question begins to leak out of us and the devil's there to use the delegated authority that we have. The power that the devil has is delegated. And it's not delegated from God, it's delegated from us. Well, we in some stuff right now. Huh? You can't believe this and believe the devil found some behind the moon somewhere that God forgot about, and that's what he's using to dictate the world. Uh-uh. He's using people who has God-given authority and God-given power, and he's questioning whether or not we have it or not. And when we question it, that is not faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, and the enemy feeds off fear like God feeds off faith. He's trying to get you to fear. So what do we do? We don't say, well, if I, I, am, I, am, I am a son of God. I am a daughter. I'm a child of God. I went to church. My kids in church. No, you don't even talk to him. You just, I, I, I told first service, I don't talk to the devil at all, but I talk to Sherwood all the time. I wear that rascal out sometimes, man. Come on, man. What are you doing? Keep it between the ditches, dude. Come on. You need blinders or something? Else? God's going to do it. If he got us through this far, he can do it again. Don't hang your head down. Let's keep on going. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to me. And sometimes I, well, Pastor, that was a good sermon today. You want to write your check. Matter of fact, I'm just going, what's your, what's your account? I'm going to put some money in your account. I, I, just wanna, I want to invest in your, in your ministry. I mean, you got to encourage yourself. The Bible said that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Why did he encourage himself in the Lord? Because the enemy was contradicting everything that God said he was, and he had to talk to the Lord that, God, you are going to give me everything that I need. 
and your word is not going to turn to you void. Amen? It's going to accomplish everything you said. Anyway, let's end on this. Hallelujah. It's now possible. It is possible that that which had no power can now undermine the very purpose of God in my life. Isn't that sad? Do you know what I just said? It's powerful. Boy, it's, we, we build the devil up. My goodness. I mean, it's getting ready to turn October. And a lot of people, not anybody in here, is getting ready to spend a lot of money on Halloween because you want to be a Halloweener. Don't be a Halloweener. Don't do it. Don't lend power to something that don't have any power. I don't know. I got his girlfriend. She's a witch. Oh, yeah, she's a witch. <laughs> she lending her power to the enemy. He's using it not for God's good, but for his glory. Come on, somebody. You don't have, you don't have to be a witch for that. You just don't take God at his word. There was two Adams in the Bible. The first Adam and the second Adam. Hmm? The first Adam. The word that God gave Adam about the tree. What did he say? What did the enemy say to him? God didn't say that. Then the second Adam, he says, if you are the son of God. So what's the enemy? He's not that, he's not that complex. Y'all, this is basic Christianity right here. This is, I, I didn't dig deep for this. This is how we got to walk and live and have our being. The devil don't have any power over your life unless you give it to him. And you got to trust him. You got to trust God. He might take you through the Philistines. You got to take out a few giants that you're going to hit there. Or he might take you all the way around the desert. It doesn't matter how long it takes as long as you get there. Amen? And the more you walk, God's going to see to it. I trust that God's taking care of it. He's going to see to it. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. If us being evil know how to give our own children good things, how much more? Because our Father who is holy knows how to give everything to his children that ask. If we can tend to it and make sure our kids are taken care of, don't you think God can tend to it to make sure we're taken care of? Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. He says, okay, I'm glad you ask. What's in that daily bread? Every single thing you need. Then the devil comes over here. Is that what God said? Okay, if, if that's what he said, he said it if you're a child of God. If, if you're a child of God. But we don't know if you're a child of God. Matter of fact, we, I've been hanging out with you. you, you, you I don't think you're, you're classified as a child of God. Don't lend him your attention. You walk away from that attack and say, Father, I want to thank you that I'm a child of God. And I want to thank you that I perceive, I live and breathe out of every word that proceeds out of your mouth, God. I just want to thank you for it. 
even when you don't believe it. Sometimes you got to convince yourself. You say, God, I just thank you for your word. And your word is for me. And the enemy said, is that what he said? That's exactly what you said, God. You said I am healed. You said I'm delivered. You said my children are saved just like my house. You said you will save me in my household. And I'm here to death. The devil said, that ain't what he said. I know that's what you said, God. It's in your word, God. And your word is true, Lord. I know I struggle. I know I fall. But it's your grace, God, by my words, God, that I am saved. I'm not a child of God because of who I am. Child of God, because of who you are. And the power that the devil thought he's going to suck from you and use to attack you and kill your dreams, you're going to walk away bigger and stronger and better than you ever had before. Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Want to sing something? Come on, let's sing this. If the woman of the world can't oh, trust yeah. you, if you split the sea to make a way through, if the prodigal son comes home too, then I'll trust you. If the woman of the world can't trust you, if you split the sea to make a way through, if the prodigal son you do it? Come on, will you try? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. I believe you're going to trust him. If we can hold truth, if we can hold on to these two truths, that God says what he means and he means what he says, and our identity is that we are children of the most high God, then God's word is truth. We had an opinion, and we saw two trees. We decided to feed off the one that God says we can eat, not the one the enemy's trying to feed us off of. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. One of the most important things about this teaching is, is that is the question that, that the enemy proposed to us, if you're the son of God, if you are a child of God. Because the enemy knows if he can get us to question our identity, then our faith begins to turn into fear. And doubt begins to overcome, and that feeds the enemy. But the Bible says that the word God has sent his word that we might know that we have eternal life. 
And that word will not return to you void. And I feel that word knocking at your door this morning. The devil, he can, he can question all he won't between you and God. You know you're a child of God because the Bible says if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. You're a born-again child of God. And the devil can't take that away from you. So if you want assurance today, this is sure as, you're, this is sure as heaven as if you're already there. This is sure that you are a child of God. Just throw your hand up right now and say, I want that assurance this morning. Hands are going up already. God bless you. God bless you. I'm tired of the devil robbing me. I'm tired of the devil sucking life out of me. I'm tired of him showing up at my house powerless and leaving full of my power. I'm not going to feed him anymore. I'm tired of sitting under his tree of fear and doubt and unbelief. I'm going to walk over underneath the fear, underneath the, underneath the, the faith of God, and underneath the tree of God. I'm going to feed off of that tree. Come on, hands around. How about some Christians that said, you know what? I haven't been trusting God like I ought to, but I know that I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to leave, the, I'm going to leave here today believing God's going to see to every need I have. Come on, throw your hands up and say, God, work on my trust, God. I'm going to trust you, Lord. Trust and faith goes hand in hand. You can't have faith without trust. You can't have trust without faith. But today, God, we ask you, come on, let's all pray together. Let's, let's say this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have sent the word and you have saved me, Lord. God, your word tells me and exposes the fact that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. But today, Lord, I accept your word of an invitation to come to you. God, thank you for finding me, saving me, forgiving me, and giving me power over all the power of the enemy. And I look forward to every promise and every word becoming true in my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and bless him this morning. Amen. Oh, man. I'll let us spend another hour on that. If you need prayer this morning, I know we've been praying for you corporately. I got prayer workers up here that would love to pray with you. I mean, just break the power of the enemy right off of you. So if you need prayer, don't leave here today. If you gave your heart to the Lord for the first time or, or just have a renewance in your life, that tent you came in out there, tell them about it. We'd love to get some information to you and follow up with you. Or you can tell one of these prayer workers up here. We'd love to tell you how we can help you in your journey with Christ. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night. We hope you enjoyed this message from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate through our website, highestpriestchurch.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with all that God is doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at highest.praisechurch and like us on Facebook at Highest Priest Church. We can't wait to see you soon.